Good morning. God's blessings on the church today. There is, uh, <clears throat> there is something about uh, the seventh day which the church of Christ, yeah, the first day, which the church put on the first day of the week. And uh, it's a celebration of the risen Savior and also a celebration of the risen Christ in our hearts. And that changes all the perspective. Even while we're here this morning, while we've gathered here this morning, it changes. Otherwise, coming here Sunday morning is, is something that a Christian is maybe supposed to do. And so I will do it mundanely and get it done. And I, I did my duty now. But there's something about remembering there isn't Savior and what is done for us. We come together Sunday morning to be encouraged in these things. We come here Sunday morning and remember what Christ has done for us. And uh, so, thanks for that. Thank you for that. And I want to go maybe down the same line here and talk about glorifying God with our lives. And I think keeping a day, Sunday, first day of the week, it's part of the package. But remembering Christ in all of that. Okay, so let's bow our heads again before the Lord this morning. So, Father in heaven, we come before you. Again, we are grateful. We are thankful, Lord, that you've given us another day, another week. That you, again, are showing yourself faithful in all things. That we are precious in your sight. And to grab hold of that truth, Lord, is a glorious life, a joyous life. And again this morning, we pray, Lord, that you sharpen our understanding, our hearts, our minds, in our, all our perspective towards you, Lord, of your love towards us, of who you are, of your majesty, of your omniscience, your uh, omnipresence, your just who you are as a God, Lord. We, we pray, Lord, that you touch our hearts with these things this morning and that we are blessed to be called your children. And we pray, Lord, that we do not take that lightly, but, Lord, that we, that we walk in a holy fear before you. And so, O oh Lord God, we pray that you be with us here by your Holy Spirit, that you fill this room in our hearts with your presence. In a real way, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, that there's no room for the enemy. But, Lord, that you minister to our hearts. We pray, Lord, that you show us these things, even in the, in, with the perspective, in the, with the signs of the times we're living in. And, Lord, that 
more than ever that we need to focus in on who you are and how you lead and direct our ways, Lord. So we ask you, Lord, that you bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So glorifying God. <clears throat> there, are, there are times in our, in our life when we simply have to stop and look and check and examine our perspective on our lives, on our perspective of God, where we're heading, our relationship with Him, what our life will look like maybe in a year from now, where we're leading our children, where we're leading our church. There's times to stop, to look, and to listen to what the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It has to happen in our daily life. In whatever we are doing, we have to stop and we have to examine. To look at perspective, to look at, at life. And a person that does not do this that doesn't do it, will mismanage his time and his money. He'll go in circles. Because we do not analyze, we do not stop. There's, there's a lack of wisdom in it. <clears throat> Businesses have to check if they have the right targets and the same goals that will keep them, keep them successful. We look at our businesses and we... And we, and we Look at things that work, at things that don't. Maybe at things that need to be cut back, at things that need to be changed. And we revamp sometimes. Sometimes we just continue because it works. In school, we, we have to review and we check if we're aiming for the right goals. What are we trying to produce? What is our end product in school? Any, any successful organization has to keep tabs on its trajectory, on their goals. So today, I want to bring that same question to our personal walk with God. With all the cares and busyness, how are we doing? What does our end goal look like? But most of all, I want to talk about today, what is our perspective of God. One of the things, it's one of those things that get, get, gets foggy and distorted, especially with all modern distractions and intellect. Our perspective of God a lot of time gets twisted or maybe downplayed or um, belittled and we we can comprehend his defining character and his attributes and who he actually is we hear so many voices how to relate to god 
oh, it's this and that and uh, all kinds of coming from every angles that are motivated by money, maybe by power. And they come every direction in the Internet age, the World Wide Web. And a lot of times, it, I believe it distorts our view who God is. One of the biggest voices, one of the biggest voices that comes through the pipes is that God is a loving God and he loves us. And he, he looks over all our sins and all our wrongs in the end. He just loves us. Well, what's wrong with this statement? That the all-knowing, all-powerful, majestic God is not only a God of love, he's also a God of wrath. And he hates iniquity. And he hates sin. And a healthy fear of God points that out, it points at his word. And it makes a healthy Christian to fear and tremble, in a holy fear and tremble before God. The Lord. Modern culture has attempted to belittle God. My dude, Jesus, my best friend, Jesus, like, of course, he's our best friend, but there's a reverence there. Jesus is cool, it belittles God. In the meantime, if we have a healthy perspective of God, we have a healthy relationship with him. And he's dear to us when we hold him dear and we confide in him. And yes, he's our best friend. But modern, cultures have, modern culture has its way to belittle God, which results in either we minimize him or we don't glorify him for who he is. And this is the danger part. And it changes our perspective of who God is. According to scripture, having the correct perspective of God directly affects our relationship with God. It, it affects who we are. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord, that is a right perspective. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom gives us the capabilities to make right choices, to reflect towards God in a real and right way. It, it simply gives us an advantage in how we reflect towards God. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So just this verse changes our whole life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It begs to ask, how do we relate to God? Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days. Totally affects our life. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. This truly impacts a person, person's life. We can discuss this verse to illustrate how destructive a lack of regard and the fear of the Lord is and is how His holiness can be. But all major sins are often a result 
of a wrong perspective of God and the absence of a holy fear. So in, in our relationship with, with God, there has to be a healthy realization of who God is in our need for him. At, at every stage of our growth as a believer, maintaining a healthy understanding of God is, is essential for maturing in our faith. As an unbeliever, even as an unbeliever, there has to be a fear of who, of who God is, and understanding that he is the judge of all the earth, he is the judge of the ungodly and the righteous. That fear comes to a person. This is why he, the Lord can grab his attention through the Holy Spirit. And there has to, that perspective it comes into order. As new believers, we begin to see and experience the attributes of God. As a redeemed, as a saved, as a saved person, we encounter his incredible love, his mercy, and his grace upon our lives. And we respond to this because we become aware, also aware of his wrath that is revealed against all unrighteous. So as we mature in our faith, we start to experience more and more of his attributes. And we start to relate to him in a different way or should i say in a more mature way i and i can say even for me i think my journey is over 20 years easily and i still go wow yes there's knowledge but when you actually get to know and to see and the lord re reveals these attributes to you you go wow and it, it humbles, it touches me. And it can only come by having a proper perspective and a relationship with God and seeking him. It's, it's like knowing any friend. We know, kind of know their character. We know who they are. It's like a young couple. Just ask Wesley and Vanessa. Or the other courting couples. Oh, they, they can say all oh, the good things, good things. And it's good. That's the way it should be. But as you get married, behind all the good things, there starts to be bullet lists. And we get to see the per get to see the person. There comes um Stuff that is maybe not so desirable. Then there comes things that you're, wow, what a beautiful person. And all because we get to know that person in a more intimate way. Nobody knows me as much as my wife knows me. I can guarantee you that. And vice versa. And so is our relationship with God. If, if we don't seek, we don't find. And if we don't find, we don't have a proper perspective. As we, as we mature in the faith, we, we realize, yes, we know that God is eternal. But as we serve and we know that he's, 
from we, we realize and we get that he always has been and always will be. As we serve him, we know that he's unchangeable. We, we read and study his word and we see that character in him. We know that he's sovereign. The more we serve him, we know he's sovereign. We know of his holiness. We also know he's a jealous God. We know he can pour out his wrath. We know and we can experience his justice and his righteousness. Of his mercy we know, of his grace, of his love, and so on. Having proper perspective simply increases our faith in God because we get to know him better. And Jesus made it possible for us to approach God. Hebrews 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He said in Matthew 7, Jesus said that, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. These verses highlight God's mercy and the outcome of his love that allows us to approach him. This is the incredible blessings we receive in the new covenant. However, and despite all this, his essence as God does not change. When he will return, he came as a lamb, and when he will return, he will return as the Lion of Judah. That's two totally different, we would say, personalities. But he'll come with two different characters. He comes back, he's going to judge. He came as a lamb to save. So, if we don't glorify God, what, what can go wrong? First, we must accept and realize that we are created in the image of God and his love was directed towards us while we were yet sinners. This truth, I know we've, we've heard it, we've, we've uh, quoted verses on it, we've heard messages on it. But just comprehend that love, which you won't be able to. But try the love of God, that while we were yet sinners, He loved us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Well, here's this. He put a new price tag on us since we have been redeemed. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> um, we won't read through this chapter. It's uh, basically Paul admonishing um, the Corinthians and exhorting the church there about unrighteousness that seemingly still existed in the church. And he reprimanded them, uh, exhorted them that as a child, as children of God, that these things should not be named among them. Even in verse 18, he sees, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that man does is outside the body, and he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. But I want to just look today at verses 19 and 20 in this chapter. 
Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and, not, and you are not your own, and you are not your own. For you were bought with a, at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And just this, this whole chapter, you'll read it, reveals a lack of acknowledgement of who God is and a fear of God. <clears throat> For you, I'm going to read this, ver this verse again. You were bought at a price. So remember, before we were redeemed, before Christ came to this earth, he loved us. That's, that's why he came. But now he's saying, you were bought at a price. The price is the only begotten son. And he says, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now we have to ask ourselves, how do we glorify God in your body? Is it singing maybe sometimes or saying praise the Lord at the right time or maybe catch the right amens in a sermon, or raise our hands at the right time. Again, that's all good. But I believe when the scripture says to glorify God, is esteeming God for who he is to the best of our capabilities. To further clarify, turn, turn to Romans 1. <clears throat> and we're going to start reading at verse 18. And maybe down to 25. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. He, he says, the wrath, of, the wrath of God is revealed. It's revealed from heaven. Against un, all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in, unri in unrighteousness because that they may be known of God <clears throat> is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. <clears throat> because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. And here, here, here it comes. Just remember this one line. They did not, they, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed, changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the Creator rather than the Creator or the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So one of, one of the things that we have to realize and that we're teaching at our youth discipleship 
meetings is Romans 1, he starts off and he's giving us the condition of man. That's who we are. Without Christ, without Christ intervening, the wrath of God upon us um, that is being revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, we are all capable, if we continue reading, of that very fall that is in Romans 1. <clears throat> now, what grabbed my attention here is verse 21. Because although they knew God, that's us. That can be us. Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Let's stop just here, right here. So, how much do we know God? How much have we received from God? None, we all have to answer that question. Now, according to the measure we have received of what we know of God, <clears throat> do we react and glorify God according to that measure <clears throat> and beyond? Because if we don't, we're walking on very dangerous ground. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. With the whole worldview outlooks, and even in our own minds of trying to figure out the way life works and how to, basically anything that is opposite of faith, like, I will try to do this, and I will do this, and that. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I believe it starts with all though the new God did not glorify Him as God. If we know God, and we do not glorify Him as God, who He is in our lives, there is a decline starting. Verse 24, oh, I read that already. And we are slowly giving over. A human being is then slowly give, getting given over. This is why every civilization who put God out of their equation declined and was judged. No matter where they were, no matter which era they were, they declined, they were judged. I believe God honors, even with civilizations, the little they know of God and are faithful to that. He will honor them. Because he said to the Amorites, back to Abraham there, the fullness of their wickedness has not yet been fulfilled. So he had grace there to a heathen age. And it's with us too. It comes back to our faithfulness, what we've been given, what we know, and how we see God, that we are faithful to that which He has given us. So what are, what are the results then of a healthy relationship and perspective? 
First, seeing and glorifying God for who he is instills a godly fear into us that changes our whole perspective and outlook. Yes, we say the Holy, Holy Spirit changes us. He, he um, convicts us. But a true perspective of God helps to change that because we know what's at stake. Anytime in Scripture when it talks about someone fearing God, there was a, a clearly distinctive person who God used. Even in the church in Acts 9.31, then the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All these men and women in Hebrews 11 had a fear of God. Every one of their lives they will dissect it. There is a holy fear and a reverence there. Like all these people, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, David, and all those that are mentioned in Hebrews 11 had a fear of God in them. Here, here's what the fear of the Lord does to a person. Number one, it encourages, it encourages a person relationship with God. Because we, we get the perspective, we get to know who God is. There in us, there's a heart that desires to draw near. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. He will show them his covenant. These are all benefits of fearing the Lord, of then having a relationship with him. Number two, a reverence for God and his sovereignty. Again, having a proper perspective in a fear is a reverence for God and his sovereignty. Regardless of what happens, we trust and know that God is in control. Job is a good example. 1-1, one, one. there was a man in the land of Uz, oh, Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and who feared God, who feared God and shunned evil. He feared God and shunned evil. After all the calamities that came against him, it says of Job in, down in verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong because he feared him and he trusted him. He trusted that God is sovereign. Number three, there's a reverence for the word of God. The word is valued and treasured as a gift from God. It's not taken for granted, but it is embraced and is... As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the fear of God will prompt a reverence for the word of God. The fear of God prompts holiness from our walk. And why wouldn't it? God is holy. They want to follow God. Holiness will come out of our lives. Without it, no one shall see the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Number five, obedience is another character of the fear of God. It will, it will encourage and will uh, prompt obedience. We are obedient because we reverence and understand the majesty of God. Aaron was a man who feared God and his life was characterized with obedience. The biggest example was when God commanded him to offer up Isaac and God said, Do not lay your hands on the lad or do anything to him. I know, I now, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. For now I know that you fear God. So it prompts obedience. The fear of God will encourage, and a lot of the, the result, one of the results will be obedience. And all that is in a reference to the God whom we serve. And it, a godly fear produces humility. Proverbs 22, 4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Psalm 33, 8, let all the earth fear the Lord, that all the inhabitants of the Lord stand in awe of him. So fear produces, a godly fear produces humility. A godly fear is also characterized by love for our neighbor. The two greatest commandments to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love him at that level is to fear him. It's also impossible to love God at that, le at that level and to not love your neighbor. So the love of God would eventually prompt us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And there's many more, but these are just seven characters in our lives if we have a fear of God which a fear of God tells us that our perspective of God is at a healthy level so in conclusion wherever we are in our life to have a fear of God will even direct us for a believer yes we experience the battle and one of the main places, of course, where we experience the battle is between the flesh and the spirit of God. Again, how would that affect us? Romans 8, 12 to 17, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For if you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. There's two fears. One is 
bondage to fear. One is a healthy fear of God. And one, um, the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, we did suffer, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So in having a proper perspective in our daily walk, which is true, no matter what we do, no matter what our job is, no matter what our outlook is, every day is a battle. And the step number one is to recognize who God is, to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit in our life. To be obedient to the Holy, to the Holy Spirit is life. To walk in the flesh is death. In order to deny our flesh and to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, there has to be a healthy fear of God. A healthy fear will keep us out of trouble and danger. This is especially so with a cautious and holy awe and a reverence toward God. So may we live our lives to glorify God, reverence Him as God, this very God who will judge all the earth and who has the power to show mercy or judgment. Luke 12, 4 to 5, Jesus said, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that you have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he was killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to him, fear him. So, amen, proper perspective of God. And uh, my exhortation is this morning to, to glorify God for who he is in our lives. We, we cannot minimize it. If, if, if that fear and that awe is gone, then maybe there's something in our life that needs to be parted because we're blinded. Because one day, and not so very far away, we will all stand before that almighty God. And it's good. It's good and healthy to have that perspective now. To know who our God is now. And to relate with him in that proper way. So, amen.